Hello and welcome to Conversations with Commerce Trust, our show about the markets, investment themes, and economic insights that matter to you. I'm your host, David Hagee, Chief Investment Officer with Commerce Trust. Today, we're discussing a number of rising geopolitical risks and their potential impact to markets with Scott Colbert, our Chief Economist and Director of Fixed Income Management, and Casey Matthews, Chief Market Strategist here at Commerce Trust. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Hey, good to be with you. Hi, David. We would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the tragic events unfolding in the Middle East. The brutal attacks on Israel by Hamas in early October and Israel's response has caused untold suffering of thousands and now threatens regional stability. Our hearts go out to all those affected by these events. Meanwhile, the war between Russia and Ukraine rages on with no end in sight. In addition, wild cards both domestically and internationally are also contributing to uneasiness around the globe. With geopolitical risks on the rise, we want to focus on the market impacts to these events. Casey, what are your thoughts on some of the risks that we've mentioned in terms of market impact? Yeah, well, I think it's important to start with just um, setting the landscape that we have coexisted with a number of geopolitical tensions and military conflicts around the world for the last hundred years, if not longer. And I don't think that will change, unfortunately, going forward. So most investors today are aware of two major conflicts. As you mentioned, you have Hamas invasion of of Israel back in early October, but also Russia's invasion of Ukraine that takes us back to February of 2022. But according to the Council on Foreign Relations, there's actually 32 ongoing conflicts around the world. We have drug wars, terrorists, uh, terrorist uh, insurgencies, ethnic conflicts, and civil wars. And as all this is going on, we realize that there's a significant impact to the local economies and markets and a lot of tragedy uh, locally, but a very small impact globally. What you find in global economies and the U.S. economy, these issues around the world, albeit tragic, have a limited impact on economic and market conditions. And history really shows us that about all these crises. There's so many of them, but typically when you have a crisis, when you look at the stock market, using the S&P 500 as a proxy, these issues are, uh, there's a short-term negative reaction uh, during the crisis. However, there's a swift recovery. And I went back to 1960 and just took the median return of that S&P 500, 12 months after the conflict started, the return is actually 15.5%. So you can see, we get through it, the market looks past it, the market knows they're not significant enough to the global economy and the US economy to change the underlying fundamentals. So thanks, Casey. As, as we think about you know how this translates not only into the markets, but also into the economy, Scott, what are your thoughts as to, you know, both the economic impact locally as well as globally of these crises? And I'm also thinking about, you know, commodity prices related to uh, all uh, both of those hot wars. Well, certainly with the um, Russian invasion of Ukraine and then most recently the situation in the Middle East, um, they've certainly impacted commodity prices. They sent natural gas prices soaring for a while which really put a dent in Europeans' growth, uh, Europe's growth uh, in 2022, 2023. But as Casey suggested, they've kind of faded now. And, you know, oil prices and natural gas prices have come back to, um, you know, pre-invasion uh, type levels. At the same time, the stock market, while it was pushed around a little bit at first, has basically been pretty flat through um, 
both the uh, you know Israeli situation as well as long term, almost within basis points of where it started back in February of 2022. So we've had a, a fairly flat stock market, but it's certainly been somewhat inflationary with those commodity prices pushing up. It certainly forced our Federal Reserve to push back more assertively and aggressively against inflation. And it certainly dampened our economic cycle. In the longest of runs, all of this stuff, as Casey suggested, probably fade. So the impacts are, have been modest so far, uh, and hopefully it'll stay that way. As we talk about the shooting wars, it also bears some mentioning to discuss the, the rising global tensions out of China with their eastern ambitions, you know, and potentially Taiwan getting rolled into into a shooting war as well. You know, as we talk about those geopolitical tensions on the rise outside of the shooting wars, what's their impact on the global economy? And then, uh, Casey, about the markets as well. Maybe I'll start with that. Um, you know, now we're dealing orders of magnitude different. I mean, let's face it, Russia is a modest emerging market. It only represented about 3% of the market capitalization of the emerging market stock index. It's literally, you know, only about 15% the size of China. Ukraine, you know, uh, on a relative basis to, 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 to Russia, Ukraine's GDP was only about a tenth the size of the Russian GDP. And, you know, Israel has a GDP of about half a trillion dollars, pretty similar to its neighbor, Egypt. But it dwarfs, you know, Jordan and Lebanon, its uh, two closest neighbors there. Um, so any move, you know, that China makes and any problems we have with China, um, you know, with China being the 30 percent representing 30 percent of the market cap of the emerging market stocks and 16 percent of the global GDP, you know, are likely to be much more material and much more impactful. And of course, use up a lot more of our time, energy and resources. It feels like we're expending a lot just in the Ukraine-Russian situation, I think, you know, that would pale in comparison to probably how much capital and resource would tie us up with a shooting war in Taiwan of any any sort, or even a non-shooting war, just an embargo or, or any move on China, uh, you know, attempting to take over Taiwan. But David, can I jump in and just adding on China, what's interesting when you put a little meat on the bone, all these issues, conflict in the South China Sea or the the new Silk Road, which is the Belt and Road stimulus infrastructure spending in China, conflict with India, they've existed for quite some time. Yet they just reported their third quarter earn, uh, uh, GDP, which is up 4.9%. And we're about to report in the U.S., we're about to report our third quarter GDP, which will probably be somewhere between 45 and 5% with all these issues that are not new. So some of these things are just we're, we're just going to have to coexist with and hope they never escalate. If they do, do another podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine it possibly being positive in any way, shape, or form. But it also might end up doing exactly what Casey suggested. All the other conflicts have done with you know a stock market that goes towards you know risk aversion, stock prices fall, people move towards bonds, but over time. You know, we work through, you know, and absorb the situation from a geo-economic, you know, perspective. Well, let's pivot from global geopolitical tensions back into the U.S. Uh, it's been an eventful fall for us. We had uh, a speaker get ousted. We've had three weeks of turmoil surrounding um, a new speaker being installed. That happened today. 
Um, and then we also are on the doorstep of the 2024 U.S. elections. You know, around all this uh, you know, turmoil in the U.S. and a pending election, historically, what have market reactions been to that, Casey? Well, any type of uncertainty the markets don't like. But when it comes to politics, again, some of these things the market will look through. They won't change the underlying fundamentals of the economy or impact corporate earnings. Uh, therefore, you get short-lived uncertainty, and then it's back to the cyclical drivers, high interest rates, consumption, things like that, that end up being the drivers. So I do think, obviously, we have some issues uh, with keeping the government open. We went through that, cost of speaker is job. We got a new one. We're going to have to deal with this again in 45 or less than 45 days. There's a high probability that you get a government shutdown. Government shutdowns have happened before. They've been short-lived. They're uh, they're terrible for those all those families involved. But looking through it, uh, through the economic and market lens, um, we get through it and markets end up moving higher. So... I, I don't think that is going to be a driver. It's more of noise in the marketplace. Now, if we move on to the presidential election cycle, typically the elect, in election year, that'll be next year, what you see is a flat, choppy to down market for the first half. And then as you get clarity with the, with the election, markets start to move higher. And at the end of the day, Again, it's not doesn't end up being a sustainable driver to markets because we've had good markets with Democrats in the White House, good markets with Republicans in the White House. What uh, what works pretty well, believe it or not, unfortunately for our country, is gridlock. Yeah. When when you just get a bunch of politicians arguing about things, but they can't damage the country or the economy, and lo and behold, markets do just fine. Scott, what about economic impacts here on, you know, all this turmoil inside the U.S. Uh, political scene, as well as this pending um, uh, presidential election, as well as, uh, you know, just a uh, probably a fairly contentious um, uh, primary season coming up? Well, you know, as Casey suggested, and if there's a four year cycle to the presidential cycle, the, the stock market is pretty much flat and has its worst year going into an election. And then once the certainty of the election, if there's any certainty and this, we might not have any certainty with this election until after the election, but then usually the market, you know, is relieved and, and then, and then makes forward progress. Um, we didn't mention this, but in general, the fed reserve tries to stay out of politics. And so it may play into them getting through their interest rate hiking process a little bit sooner. And so there might be a silver lining there for the economy. But as far as the primary season, you know, I wouldn't expect much fireworks because, you know, right now it's, Trump is the by far the clear front runner and Biden is the unchallenged, you know, Democratic incumbent. But, you know, surprises happen along the way. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, definitely an interesting political environment that we're in. As we look at the markets today, you know, there's the backdrop of the Fed uh, probably concluding their rate hiking cycle. You have these geopolitical tensions that over the long run smooth out, but uh, become very uh, volatile uh, in the moment. Thanks for the interesting discussion, gentlemen. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for joining us today on Conversations with Commerce Trust. I'm David Hagee. We'll talk again soon. Important material disclosures regarding the content of this program follow. Commerce Trust is a division of Commerce Bank. Generally, non-depository investments offered in connection with Commerce Trust and its affiliates are not guaranteed, are not FDIC insured, and may lose value. Opinions and other information provided are effective as of the date of the recording and presented for the purpose of general education, information, or illustration only. Neither Commerce nor any of its affiliates, officers, employees, or agents have made any recommendations to buy, hold, or sell securities or given any advice as to the terms, beneficial interests, or profitability of any investment strategy or market activity and information provided may not be relied upon as such. You, as the investor, are fully responsible for any investment transaction you choose to enter into, including determining whether such investment is appropriate in light of your investment objectives and personal circumstance, and you shall not have relied on any of the preceding or following information from Commerce as the basis for any investment decision. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified attorney, tax advisor, or investment professional. In considering whether to trade or invest, you should inform yourself and be aware of the risks. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the information in the commentary provided is subject to change based on market or other conditions. Diversification does not guarantee a profit or protect against all risk. Commerce Trust does not offer tax, legal, or specific estate planning advice. And while we may provide information or express general opinions from time to time, such information or opinions are not offered as professional tax or legal advice. Commerce Trust does not provide advice relating to rolling over retirement accounts. Commerce Trust is not a municipal advisor under Section 15B of the Securities Exchange Act and therefore does not offer advice or recommendations concerning bond proceeds or other municipal advice subject to this section. Any data contained herein from third-party providers is obtained from what are considered reliable sources. However, its accuracy, completeness, or reliability cannot be guaranteed.